Hello, Arizona. We love being in Arizona. We've been here all day and all night. Welcome to the Gaggle Podcast, where we bring you alongside reporters to talk Arizona politics. I'm Yvonne Winget Sanchez, a national political reporter at the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. I'm Ron Hansen. I cover the congressional delegation. We have a lot of new listeners. Our metrics show that our listeners jumped by quite a bit. We're so happy that you guys are engaged and you're listening and you care enough to take us alongside whatever it is you're doing for the day. We've been busy this last week. We've had two presidents in town, two big political fundraisers on Friday. And now that we've had a minute to kind of get some sleep and kind of reflect on what we've seen and what we've heard, we're discussing President Donald Trump's visit to Arizona. It was all for Republican Senate candidate Martha McSally. How could the president's visit affect the midterm elections, especially in the Senate race, which pits Martha McSally against Democrat Kirsten Sinema? All right, so Yvonne, tell me about your Friday. Oh, I did get an early start. My phone started uh, buzzing pretty early in the morning uh, with uh, texts from people who were getting a firsthand glimpse at what was playing out behind the scenes. Uh, President Donald Trump woke up in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona on Friday morning. He tended to White House business before uh, headlining a fundraiser for um, Martha McSally. And uh, this was a lunchtime fundraiser. This was just hours after President George W. Bush, just a few miles away, headlined a morning breakfast for McSally. Uh, And uh, Governor Jan Brewer tells me that um, John Kyle, Senator John Kyle, introduced Martha McSally at this uh, fancy fundraiser at the Princess Hotel. And we're told a lot of money was raised to not only support McSally's bid for the open Senate seat, but for uh, Republican senatorial candidates across the country. So it was a, a, a big day for her. She spent the entire day with President Trump, and you got an up-close view uh, at a very symbolic location in this race for the Senate seat. Yeah, so they went to Luke Air Force Base and arrived with some pretty fancy equipment. Uh, the Ospreys and Marine One made an arrival, and we were close enough to have them blowing our hair back and kicking up dust in our eyes. I have to say, those are, like, really, really cool aircrafts. I have to give it to Martha McSally. When she arrived with this, uh, you know, caravan of, of helicopters and uh, the sun was setting, so we had a nice orange sky for it. It was uh, really, you know, impressive. It, 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 you can't help but be blown away, literally, by what these things do whenever they're arriving. Uh, it feels like this is an important event. And so uh, the president came off uh, Marine One, and, and on we went for this um, visit at Luke Air Force Base. So I was watching your Twitter feed. I was locked away at a hangar in um, Mesa where I was awaiting his arrival uh, for a very political event. Um, And it seemed like this was a pretty button-down appearance with McSally at Luke Air Force Base and uh, Representative Tom O'Halloran, a Democrat. uh, She's been fantastic. Also, Representative Tom O'Halloran, thank you very much. Where's Tom? Tom, Tom. What are you doing over there, Tom? You can join us, even though you're a Democrat. (laughs) He's also locked in a fairly competitive race against Republican Wendy Rogers, and it was just sort of 
strange to see how uh, generous and accommodating the president was with Tom O'Halloran, uh, a Democrat, in a race that is losable for him. So I think that was one of the most interesting parts of his visit was this is not just about Martha McSally. Um, this is trying, I mean, the fact that he's even putting on display a Democrat from a Northern district in which a Republican female pilot who served in the military is running. Like, what does that say about how how much they maybe dislike Republican Wendy Rogers. Yeah, it does kind of beg the question, where's Wendy? <laughs> this, was, this was a tough thing. Wendy is, according to some polling shopped by Republicans, this is still a pretty competitive race. And remember, this is a district that voted for Donald Trump in 2016 by one percentage point. So how does that influence potentially the midterm elections in that district? You know, it's hard to say how much any one of these things really makes a difference, but here's the deal. In that district in particular, you have a, a lot of moderate Democrats, you have even moderate Republicans. This is a, sort of a different, more retiree-based um, district that is uh, conservative, but not MAGA necessarily. And Wendy Rogers is all MAGA. She has really leaned in hard on Donald Trump and has been there for a long time. For her to not get that big picture, uh, you know, opportunity in in an event like this really says that she's kind of missed her moment, it seems, with this rally. And and beyond that, the president said he could work with Tom. So it was really sort of notable that all these sort of um, subtexts that said, you know, Tom O'Halloran is okay with Donald Trump. And what's interesting is if Democrats win in Tucson, in McSally's district this fall, as many people expect at this point, that could swing the House delegation for Arizona from a majority Republican to a majority Democratic composition. But if Wendy Rogers were to somehow steal that seat from O'Halloran, we'd be still at 5-4 Republicans. So this is a meaningful race that is kind of getting uh, swept aside. And it's one that uh, President Trump obviously weighed into, whether he knew it or not. So for the political insiders who saw the interaction between President Trump and Representative O'Halloran, that was notable. But, I mean, this whole thing really was for Martha McSally, right? And, like, draw the connection for us with Luke Air Force Base and the location and how that plays in this Senate race. Sure. So Kirsten Sinema, McSally's opponent, is someone who had uh, uh, advocated for the closure of Luke Air Force Base once upon a time. This is an important military installation that is worth hundreds of millions of dollars in economic development to Arizona. Martha McSally is a former pilot. She's uh, someone who has uh, deep experience with the military. And this sort of underscores her own military cred versus somebody who they continue to paint as someone who was an anti-war activist and really just doesn't get the importance of these kinds of in installations to Arizona. That's that's what they're going for. This kind of hovers over that point and, and really uh, twists it into cinema's side. So amid all the big to-dos with Trump's visit, what was Kirsten Cinema, the Democratic Senate candidate, doing on Friday? Uh, the same thing she's been doing for a while now. It seems like she's just trying to sidestep any kind of direct battle with the president. It's probably why she escaped without a nickname. 
it's you know she just tried to stay on message and and do some charitable work and not try and one up or go over the top to try and steal headlines in what would have been a losing effort anyway. You're not going to trump the Ospreys and Marine One. But uh, Kirsten Sinema really tried to uh, keep rhetorical high ground in, during the debate. She also has tried to just sidestep all of the ugly politics and has specifically condemned it when uh, she's had a chance. So meanwhile, we're, while you were over watching these big old fancy aircrafts and um, you were with the, the president and your congressional delegation in the west side, I was over on the east side talking to voters. I was really trying to get a sense of how they felt about the Senate race um, even before they showed up. And the overwhelming um, sentiment was that people there already planned on voting for Martha McSally. I mean, these people understood what was at stake. They were happy that uh, they were going to be casting a vote in favor for the very person that the president had endorsed. They understand um, what's at stake in terms of potential control of the U.S. Senate and what that might mean for Trump's agenda. People were fired up. I mean, these people are hardcore, loyal Trump supporters. I talked to a man named um, Mike White. He waited. He was among the people like they had this, um, you know, these uh, panels, these fence panels put up. And I mean, just a crush of people were waiting to to get let in by the Secret Service. And he and his family were at the very front of the line. He spent all night in his car waiting um, to see the president to, to reserve a to reserve a place. They had their, you know, pro-Trump shirts on, little girls were, were there, everyone was happy, um, people were eating at food trucks, people, they were listening to music, they were talking to each other, um, and he was, was theirs, was his first rally, and he just thinks, like, President Trump is the greatest, he can't be bought by anybody, his, he's out for the, the working class folks like him, he sees um, in, in him someone who will stand up for the little guy. I have never been more proud of a president in my whole life. I've never been more proud to have somebody stand as strong as he has because it takes something to, to go through those kind of attacks daily. It is great to be in the great state of Arizona with thousands of hardworking and beautiful American patriots. Thank you very much. So... He flies in. I mean, it was it was pretty epic, I have to say. I mean, they you hear these helicopters overhead, and you know what that sounds like. It's just like, vroom, 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 you know? And everyone, like, put their phones up to the sky. We didn't know where he was going to come. And then everyone was totally disappointed because it was just the Ospreys carrying staffers and the members of Congress that um, had come from Luke Air Force Base. And you felt that wind, and it was, it was, it was pretty cool. And then, you know, you've got the music going overhead, and um, his playlist is something else. If you haven't heard it, it took me back to, like, being seven years old and <laughs> journey. But um, then you heard Marine One coming, and people were just really fired up for that. And it made its way over, and everyone could feel the wind. And then he stepped off. 
And McSally stepped off right behind him. They waved to the crowd, and that crowd was just, I mean, it was on fire. And, you know, he took the mic. He greeted everyone. Hello, Arizona. And he said... And remember, early voting in Arizona is underway right now. So if anybody would like to... The election is in 18 days, and you need to vote for Martha McSally. And then he proceeded to make his pitch. Nancy Pelosi. Or crying Chuck Schumer. And the radical Democrats take control of Congress on November 6th. They will try to plunge our country into a nightmare of gridlock, poverty, and chaos. You know that. It's going to be a mess. Democrats want to raise your taxes, impose socialism on our country, turn us into a Venezuela, turn us into another Venezuela, take away your health care, destroy your Second Amendment, and Democrats want to throw your borders wide open to deadly drugs and ruthless gangs. Come on in, everybody. Come on in. Come on in, everybody. How, how much did you get a sense of how this one compares to other appearances that we've had from the president when he's come to Arizona? Was there greater enthusiasm? Was it different? Were they low-key? Were they ready to go? So I felt like this one was more festive, generally speaking. And that's why people like Mike White and his family were willing to spend so much, you know, their entire Friday and part of their Thursday nights just just waiting to see him. The issues that are really on their minds um, were the border wall. I mean, that was like the number one thing. The wall is under construction. We're building the wall. 1.6 They want that border wall up. They're citing the caravan of Central Americans who are heading north. Right now, as you know, Mexico is on their southern border, their southern border. And they're fighting. And they're fighting some bad people in that group. You know, you see the people come up and you listen to the fake news back there and you think they're all... You think they're all wonderful people, right? No, no, you think, I'm serious. You think they're all wonderful people. You got some bad people in those groups. You got some tough people in those groups. And I'll tell you what, this country doesn't want them, okay? We don't want them. Um, they talked a lot about socialism and how um, Kirsten Cinema, McSally's opponent, is a socialist. She's a commie. They are really dead set on no Democrats. She calls Arizona as a bunch of uh, meth heads. She's, I don't even know why she's running. She hates Arizona. I like Trump. I, I really like Trump. I like what he's doing for the nation. And I also am a Christian. And I just believe that he is God-given because he's good for us. I feel that we're very fortunate to have him. Keep winning. Winning. We like winning. <laughs> so it seems like... Republicans are closing ranks. They are coming together. They understand that this is more than whether you like Martha McSally or preferred Kelly Ward or anything else like that. Um, seems like they are really sort of making their, their final pitch to the Republican base uh, on this. Talk a bit about that. I, I noticed one of your tweets uh, with Kelly Ward and Martha McSally, and it just seems like this is it. This is how they're uh, trying to stitch together the votes they think they can uh, 
get over the finish line with. I mean, Martha McSally knows what it's like to lose, right? She did not win her first race down for CD2 in in the the Tucson-based district. She won her second race by only 167 votes. She knows what it's like to lose. She knows what it's like to wake up the next day and not know if you've won. And so I think that sentiment is also playing into her calculation here. So they need every single voter to come out and vote. They don't care what your stripe is. They don't care what who your favorite is. This is about uniting and consolidating support around a Republican candidate. Remember this, for whatever reason, the party that wins the presidency almost always loses in the midterm. I don't know what that's all about. No, they get complacent. Not here, right? So here's the difference we have. We probably have the greatest economy in the history of our country. So, so why would you, why would we lose? And just don't be complacent, okay? Don't be. This is all about McSally. This is all about Republicans. This is all about supercharging the base. As one, as one consultant said to me, this is not the getting out the base. This is the base plus. This is the people who would not vote in an off-year election. You need every single person to vote. And what happens, you go on, and what happens often? So they lose the midterm, and then they go on to crush in 2020 in the next presidential I want to win this, and then I win that. So kind of behind the scenes, um, there was some Game of Thrones action going that um, I think we we might see play out maybe over the next couple of weeks. We've heard um, that uh, Kelly Ward has been in preliminary discussions with the state party and with McSally's folks to potentially um, cut some sort of um, political ad endorsing and encouraging people to show up uh, and vote for Martha McSally. The fact that they would be willing to even have discussions with Kelly Ward about helping out Martha McSally in a public way, I think really shows a lot about where we are and how concerned they are about uniting Republicans around Martha McSally and getting people out to vote. So the multi-million dollar question is, how much did this help? This is the, you know, sort of the dramatic event, even if he comes back again, it's now going to feel more like a rerun if I can borrow TV terms for the former host of The Apprentice. Um, How much difference do you think this makes for Republicans as they try and get Martha McSally into the Senate? Whether or not this appearance by the president juices the base enough or, you know, enthuses voters enough to show up on November 6th, I think remains to be seen. I think it does reinforce party affiliations. It reminded Democrats who might not necessarily show up what was at stake very physically for a sustained amount of time. I mean, the president was here for two nights. And then for Republicans, it reminded them what was at stake. Um, The people in the middle, I don't know that it necessarily sways them, but it might bring out more voters on the right. It might bring out these voters who um, might have been complacent and just might think that things are okay and they might not have had a reason to show up. Now they might 
they might show up. And I think that seems to be the strategy of bringing the president to town. I think it remains to be seen. I think um, we're going to learn a lot on Election Day in terms of turnout. I think what we need to watch for is will there be another visit by Trump? Because what they have to bank on is that the people who did not sign up for early voting are going to carry this enthusiasm and remember what this day felt like to the polls with them on November 6th. And they're going to have to wait in lines or just actually show up. And do you trust that these people, after a long work day or, you know, to fit it in with everything else that they have to do on that election day, come Tuesday, November 6th, that they're going to remember what this rally and what this visit felt like for them? That's it for today. Thanks for listening to The Gaggle Podcast. And I know it's been a very busy news cycle, especially over the last couple of weeks. And we hope that this conversation helped put the president's visit into context. If you have any questions or comments, you can find me on Twitter at Yvonne Winget. You can find me at Ronald J. Hansen, and that's H-A-N-S-E-N. Also, you may have noticed that we've been experimenting with our show. We've created a survey for you to help us create a show that you love and want to share. You can find the survey by clicking the notes in this episode. It's only 10 questions, and your answers will help us out a lot. Tune in to a new episode of The Gaggle every Wednesday, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. This episode was edited and produced by Taylor Seeley, Taya Francesca Price, and Kayla White. Thanks again. We'll see you next week.